I, I can't tell you how good it is to be here. Uh, this is my wife, Jeanette. She's my standby, my strength. She was a little timid, so she wanted to sit kind of back toward the, toward the back. But uh, uh, we pulled through a lot of things together. And uh, so I had the opportunity to uh, uh, be here today. But I have to express how grateful and thankful I am and what a blessing it is. Uh, I go back to family life from the time when Brother Francis uh, first left the teaching center. And he was called to start his own ministry at the uh, monastery out where the Acadiana Mall is now. And so uh, was blessed to sit under his leadership. And uh, when we were at the teaching center, I don't think uh, uh, Brother Francis may not have even known me. I was just another face in the crowd. But when he left, I knew that I was to follow him. And so that's what I did. I followed uh, Brother Francis and, and Babs and in their ministry and uh, later became associated further with the church, uh, become an associate pastor teaching uh, uh, the Bible study that Brother Francis opened the door where we could, uh, where we could begin that. And I understand it's still, still alive. So that was some, yeah, Brother uh, Francis Bork picked that up. And uh, so it's been uh, uh, it's been a blessing to me all these years. Uh, after I was here for a while, Brother Todd came on the scene, and it didn't take me just a very short while for us to be able to understand and know and see his anointing. And uh, uh, of course, we see that Pastor Todd has progressed and progressed and. The anointing has just continued to grow and continue to be a blessing. And and uh, uh, sometimes you may want to have a tendency to take advantage or take uh, uh, for certain the pastors that you have, but uh, you've got a real blessing. I was so impressed with Todd when he first came. He uh, uh, he gave up a lot of things to serve the Lord. He had a real good paying job and so forth, but uh, the job was taking him away from his studies and from his time with the Lord. And so he decided he'd quit that job and take a lower paying job. Uh, he did everything by the book. When uh, he got ready to wed his beautiful wife, uh, he went to the father. He went to the father of the of the young lady and asked permission. I was really impressed because that doesn't happen very often anymore. But Todd followed everything by the book, and you could just see that uh, uh, he continued to grow and the Lord continued to bless him. And you are, you are truly blessed to have uh, Pastor Todd as a, as a pastor and, a, and uh, Brother Francis as emeritus. <clears throat> Long about that time, well, even before that, Brad Sons, uh, was working for Trans-Texas Airline and had a good job, but I was praying one night and, uh, uh, do you want to stand up here all the time? Or would you, would you like to sit down? Could we excuse her to sit down, please? <laughs> so Brad was working for Trans-Texas Airlines and I was praying one night. I had, uh, uh, I was working in a in a lab. Eventually, had my own, but 
The Lord directed me to check with Brad and see if he wanted to come to work for me. So I talked to him shortly thereafter. He said he'd pray about it, and he did. So he came to work for me, and so Brad uh, has been uh, an associate and a good friend for uh, a number of years. So I have a lot of connections here, a lot of people that uh, I'm still that are very dear to my heart. How many of you are here from the from the practically the beginning of the last thirty years? See, that's got a good group. It's a good, good group, and uh, it's uh, it's. Just like being home for me, I tell you, and I really appreciate the uh, the opportunity. Uh, please forgive me if I can't recognize your name and uh, may not even be able to recognize you. There's a lot of people that uh, that I see and they look familiar, and and I'm trying to fish for a name, and sometimes I can't. And <clears throat> you young people would understand and appreciate that much better a little later on. But please, <laughs> please forgive me. It's uh, it's not intentional. It's just uh, uh, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's old age. <laughs> uh, I uh, sometimes forget my name and what I look like. Sometimes I even think I look like John Wayne. So just forgive me. <laughs> in the uh, in the nineties, then I left family life, and I started a a church in Sunset called River of Life, and have since been ministering in smaller churches, uh, teaching and and, uh, helping in whichever way I can. Then a couple of years ago, I formed the organization called One Nation Under God, because I feel strongly that the main reason, the sole reason why this nation is in the situation that it is, is because we allowed God to be taken out of so much of our lives, out of our culture, out of our schools, out of just about everything. And until we get God back into the proper authority, uh, we're going to continue to stumble and fall. So this is what uh, what I'm engaged now, uh, is trying to uh, get the churches revved up, because it's going to have to come from the church. It's going to have to come from us if we want the nation to return back to God. Not too long ago, I was uh, uh, abundantly blessed by God with a, a life-saving miracle, as, as Pastor Todd said. And uh, on May the 19th, I was admitted to the hospital with a temperature of 102 degrees, thinking that and they thought it was pneumonia. But for the next five or six days... Uh, they gave me some of the, the five of the strongest antibiotics that were available, and they were ministered without any results whatsoever. There was no improvement. Uh, everything was just uh, going downhill. I was then placed on a respirator because I couldn't breathe, and uh, I was also placed in isolation because they didn't know what I had. They couldn't, uh, they couldn't diagnose the problem. So during this five or six days, I, uh, I remembered practically nothing. It was just a complete blackout. Uh, didn't even know that the time had gone by. It was, I didn't, wasn't aware of anything. But during this time, I do remember two distinct things, and there were two visions that I had. <clears throat> and uh, after this five days of, of nothingness, them doing everything they could to try to correct it, 
uh, with no beneficial results, then they told my wife that it would be a shame that if I died and they didn't know what the reason was. And so the doctors wanted to perform a uh, biopsy to determine whether it was a, a fungus, uh, a bacteria, or a virus, a mold, a strange disease, TB, whatever it was. They wanted to perform a biopsy to try to find out what it was because they had no idea whatsoever. Uh, there was nothing more that, they could be, that could be done for me. And uh, I had already given my body to medical anatomy usage <clears throat> so that they could take the body as soon as it expired. That's the reason why they wanted to do the biopsy then, because if I passed away, they wouldn't have the opportunity to do that bi biopsy. The uh, reason why, some years ago, I have a good friend that uh, his son was in a car wreck and damaged both knees. And... Uh, the only way those knees could be repaired was with actual human ligament. And so they took the ligaments from a human cadaver and they repaired his knees. And I thought, you know, that's something I can do. I can, I can be useful to somebody even after I pass away. And so that's what I'd done. So as soon as, as soon as I expire, they immediately pick up the body and they use it for whatever is, is, uh, uh, is necessary, what they can. Well, anyway, uh, because of the immediately removal of the body, the biopsy was performed, and then they had done all they, they could do. There wasn't anything more they could do. I had asked, already asked that uh, no life-saving equipment be used. Didn't want to be perpetuated on anything like that. So they, uh, they already had the permission to remove the, uh, the tube. And so the doctors told my wife, said, uh, look, uh, uh, call all of the family and all the friends. Everyone that would might want to say goodbye to Ron, have him come in, and uh, we'll have a period of time, and as soon as that's over, we'll pull the plug, and he'll only have about two minutes to live off of the uh, respirator. So they all came in, they convened, and said their goodbyes. Some of you are here today that were uh, at that particular at that particular point. So they pulled the plug on May the 26th, and on May the 29th, I went home. <laughs> Praise God. I could have gone home on the 28th, but it was a holiday. <laughs> so they wouldn't discharge me. I had to stay another day. When they did pull the plug, my son Stephen was there, and he made the state statement afterwards. He said, I saw life go back into you. I didn't see life leave. But in two days' time, I was up and around and, and uh, showering. Uh, the doctors were amazed. Uh, uh, this testimony can be verified by dozens of people. Some of you here, uh, six doctors, uh, uh, and, of course, you see me now. <laughs> so you think, well, you might think, man, that guy must really be holy. He must really be spe special. No, that's nonsense. We're all miracles. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a miracle. Point to yourself and say, I'm a miracle. Every one of us are a miracle. God has his hand on us. 
and he's watching over us, and it may be in different forms and different fashions, but still at the same time, we're all a miracle. I, uh, uh, we look at uh, everything that God has done from the very beginning of creation. From the time he created the universe and everything that he did, it was a miracle. Because he, just, he spoke it into existence. And he spoke it in such a proper order that nothing would function after that until it had been previously done. The sun had to come out, the, the waters had to be made, the, uh, the land had to, to form, the plants had to come forth, uh, the sea life had to be, everything had to be done in perfect order and in a perfect miracle for man to be able to exist. Well, the whole universe was a miracle to begin with, and it was for one purpose, it was for man. For man to be able to exist, for man to be able to have fellowship with God. And so every part of it and everything that we do is a miracle. And so consequently, we uh, uh, look at when you look at God's Word, especially when you look at the birth of a baby. Now, if that's not a miracle, if that's not a miracle, uh, all of the, the battles that God has fought for us when he brought manna to the people, Everything that has been done has just been miracle after miracle. So we don't, uh, we have to understand that God is a miracle working God and He works in all of our lives. We're here today because of a miracle. I mean, uh, you know, God directed our footsteps. He protected our steps. He's done so many different things. So it's not because, uh, anybody is, uh, special when they receive a miracle. When you look at the healings that Jesus did, the healings that he, the, the people that he performed healings on, they weren't especially holy. They weren't, made it, weren't, weren't even good followers. But they were believers. They were believers. And that's the key when we can believe that God can do this and we know that he can do this. And so, <clears throat> I, uh, during this five or six year, five or six day period of time when I was completely out of it and I didn't know anything, there were only two things that stand out vividly to me. And I had two visions. One vision was that, uh, I saw this creature, uh, standing away from me. It was lime green, phosphorescent in color. Uh, it was a silhouette of the side. It was shaped more in the form of a, uh, of a panther. It had a, a, a large breast, uh, narrow hips, didn't have any legs. It, I was looking at it from the side as a silhouette, so I only saw one eye. But that eye was very angry, and it was very mad, and it was looking at me and, and was wanting to get to me. I could hear the demonic sounds and noises in the background. <clears throat> I didn't see anything in front. There were no chains, no bars holding him back. But he was angry, and I could tell with that one eye, he was just waiting for the chance to be able to uh, get to me. I didn't see uh, anything other than that. And, uh, of course, I, wasn't, I was unconscious, so I wasn't thinking anything about it. Uh, a little later on, 
it came to me after I came out of the hospital and so forth that this was First Peter 5.8. It says, be vigilant, be sober. That old devil like a roaring lion roams about seeking whom he may devour. And I, ex- I know that's exactly what was happening then, that he was wanting to devour me and he was wanting to be able to uh, take my soul. He was wanting to have victory over me. But he wasn't allowed to do it. And uh, uh, we're all in the same position. We have to understand that uh, Satan is right there in front of you, ready to devour you any way he can. And he'll do it at your weakest moment when you have the least resistance. And so I, uh, I understood this after I came out under the uh, med- medication. Where the green color comes from, I have no idea. I, if it had been red or black, I probably would have made a bit greater distinction. But it was lime green, just like fluorescent. And, and it, uh, anyway, that was, that was the uh, visual. Uh, the next vision that I had was of beautiful colors. Beautiful, beautiful colors. Uh, you know, the miracle of salvation, it's one of our greatest miracles, and the miracle of salvation is not to be taken for granted. Never take it for granted. I've always believed in salvation, but I have never received the idea of once saved, always saved. I believe it takes more than a a group uh, declaration of dedicating your life to the Lord, coming up in front of a group of people and saying, I give my life to the Lord. And I believe that it takes more than uh, uh, than uh, just coming to the altar and say, I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, and then you're home free. I do not believe that. Uh, the things I'm going to say here now, you, some people are going to scoff at, some people are not going to believe, and... and uh, these are my feelings. Okay, so this is way I uh, way I interpret and the way I believe. So uh, uh, I think that uh, our salvation must be worked out with fear and trembling. And I truly believe that salvation is a daily walk. It's not something that we get and then we just we have for the rest. Second uh, Timothy two fifteen says that. We are to study, to show ourselves approved. We have to keep learning. We have to keep studying. We have to keep working and so forth. And in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, when Moses is trying to instruct the, the people how they're going to be successful and how they're going to claim the promised land and how they're going to receive the promised land, he gives them basically two words. And he says, hear and do. Pay attention to what God says and then do what he says. And so I think that it's, uh, as I say, I think it's a daily walk. And uh, when I received the Lord diligently in 1976, my life had been a, a roller coaster. Now, this is going to seem strange to some of you, and like I say, some of you are going to scoff, some of you are not going to believe, but it, it's my experience. My life had really been a roller coaster. I had been <clears throat> up and down uh, serving and playing with the Lord and, and the devil one day, da-da-da-da-da-da, and uh, uh, half-heartedly doing it, not really 
not really serving the Lord, but serving the devil and what have you. That was from the time I was a young man. So then there came a time when I came to the realization that I wasn't a man. I wasn't acting like a man. I, I needed more in my life than what I had. And so I, uh, one night at the First Assembly of God there on Johnson Street, uh, South College, I seriously asked the Lord to come into my life. And he turned his back on me. And I was so brokenhearted, I wept, I begged, I pleaded. I told him I'd do whatever was necessary. And eventually he did. He turned around and he had his arms out and he received me. But I knew what he was telling me then, that there wasn't going to be any more hot and cold. I mean, there wasn't going to be any more lukewarm. I was either going to have to be hot, because if I wasn't hot, then, and then this is again too, I felt like I could lose my salvation if I didn't, if I wasn't true and honest with it. And so, <clears throat> for this reason, I have never taken my salvation for granted, and and nor should we, nor should we. When Jesus speaks to the seven churches in the Book of Revelation. He speaks to each church, and he says, To him that overcometh, they are going to receive the blessings. The blessings are going to prevail if you overcome. In Revelation, which, and he says it uh, uh, in verse 3, 5, He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. Now, to me, that tells me that there is a possibility that my name can be blocked out of the book of life. This is me. A lot of people are going to disagree. But that's my attitude. He says, and I will not blot out. And in in third chapter of Revelation, in verse 16, when he speaks to the Laodiceans, he says, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth. So I... Our salvation is a miracle, and it is something that we really need to cherish and cling to, and not take uh, take for granted. That's what Jesus showed me. Uh, because of this, prior to uh, my hospital stay, I always had a slight question about my eternal destination. Have I really? Met the mark? Have I really been what I'm supposed to be? Da 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 da. And there was a, a Jeanette and I had talked about it a couple of times, and uh, there was always that little nagging uh, thing in the back of my mind. Well, <clears throat> I was very confident that uh, my salvation was complete, but I wasn't. I wasn't completely sure. So here's where the colors came in. I saw these two visions. I saw the creature, and then I saw these beautiful colors. Uh, I looked up, and, and it, they were in the sky, and it was just a multitude and myriad of colors that were all coming together. Some of it looked like uh, uh, like you'd take a can of paint, and you'd pour the paint in. It would kind of float and then blend in, and others looked like clouds. 
beautiful colors of yellows and greens and you name it, just all kind of colors. Beautiful, beautiful colors like I'd never seen. Uh, I, uh, uh, I didn't see any, uh, buildings. I didn't see any people. I didn't see any streets. I didn't see any angels coming to meet me. I didn't see any stairway going to heaven. But I saw these beautiful, beautiful colors. And I knew that that was my heaven. And I knew that everything was okay. I didn't go there then, but I know that uh, I, I can remember the beautiful colors. Uh, and I believe this was God's way of showing me the beauty of my final destination and everything is okay. Praise God. By the way, the biopsy showed that I have bone cancer, cancer of the left lung, and has spread to my lymph nodes. A man uh, asked me not too long ago, he says, I hear you have a terminal situation. I said, yes, sir. We all have a terminal situation. <laughs> In Psalms 90, verse 10, it says God gives us three score and ten years. That's 70 years. And then he goes on in the next uh, verse and he says, and if you have 80 years, you know, by strength, he said, you're just even more blessed. Well, I'm 79. I'm going on 80. And uh, if, I die, if I die tomorrow, it's going to be because of old age. It's not going to be because of any disease. So praise God, uh, God has taken care of us. <laughs> if we belong to the Lord, we are in a win-win situation. If we live today, we're, it's going to be a winner. And if we die tomorrow, it's going to be a winner if we get to be with Him. So, you know, if uh, uh, any other path is a lose-lose situation, you're going to lose all your joy. You're going to lose everything there is. You're going to lose everything the Lord has for you. And so it's much easier to have this win-win situation. Uh, well, what was the reason for God giving me this extra time? Uh, I mean, they pulled the plug and two, week, uh, two minutes was supposed to have gone by. And this has been nearly two months now. And uh, I'm working uh just about full time. I'm doing whatever I want to do and so forth. So why has God given me this extra time? Well, I think several reasons why I'm still here. Number one, God loves me. <laughs> Jesus is a healer. Prayers do wonders. I had hundreds of prayers going forth for me in the, in the hospital. I, uh, I could feel them. I saw some people come in and pray and, uh, uh, you know, it's just, uh, but I think mainly the reason why uh, he gave me an extended time is because my work is not finished. And I honestly believe that it could be for somebody here in this meeting today. So I, uh, I just praise God that uh, 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 what he's done. Uh, Brother Francis, I titled this message, the two-minute warning. Brother Francis actually named this. He wasn't aware of it. He came, he came to my house to see how I was doing after I got out of the hospital. I was talking to him about 
the two-minute warning. He said, yeah, he said, that's just like the two-minute warning in a football game at the end. You've got to make a decision in that two minutes. What are you going to do? Are you going to win that game or are you going to lose that game? And I think we're all in a two-minute situation right now, and maybe less. But we have been given this additional time to make sure that we are on the win-win situation and that we're going to be walking with the Lord. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Lord, and thank all of you here, and thank you, Brother Todd, for letting me...